0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode of today. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about why discipline is your ticket to freedom. I think I've banged on about discipline a lot in the podcast, so it's fucking about time that I do an entire episode on discipline and why it's so important and why you should prioritize discipline. And on top of everything, why discipline is one of the greatest ways of – Displaying self love and self respect. It's unbelievable. Okay. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll be more inclined to want to lead a more disciplined life. And ironically, you'll have a lot more freedom in your life the more disciplined you are, despite how it sounds. Okay. So I'm going to be going into all of that. Good times. Life update there isn't that much of a life update. Well, for the Gold Coast beans I actually am going to be speaking at an event on Saturday September 2nd it's being held at Neighborhood Training and so if there's limited tickets available there's like only it's it's going to be quite intimate but go check out Neighborhood Training on the Gold Coast on their website and there should be some tickets there if they are still available but if any of my Gold Coast beans are going to be there at the event can't wait to see you and I'm super pumped it's going to be a panel event and I'm on a panel talking about mindset, and then there's gonna be, you know, talks about nutrition and, and training and all the above. So I'm really pumped for that. Um, we do have a brain fact. We're gonna go into the brain fact and then let's go straight into the episode of today. And of course, at the end, there's gonna be a listener question. Okay, so the brain fact is about a woman who could smell Parkinson's disease. I found this really, really fascinating. This actually came out a couple of years ago, but I haven't shared it on the podcast. And if you haven't heard of this story, it is fascinating. So it's this woman from Scotland. Her name is Joy Milne, and she's considered to be a super smeller. And the medical term for that is hyperosmia. So it's just people that have a really heightened sense of smell. And they kind of compare it to like something between a human and a dog, something that sits in the middle as far as their ability to smell things. So she has the ability to smell Parkinson's disease and she discovered it in this really interesting way. So when her husband was around 32-ish, she... Noticed this strange smell on him, this strange odor, and they were both trying to work out what it was. She didn't really find it that pleasant, but it was just like this musky odor, and she could not work out what it was. No one else could smell it. He couldn't smell it. She thought it might be his breath, or it was his body odor, or his clothes, and they just could not work it out. No matter how much he showered, or washed his clothes, or brushed his teeth, they just couldn't work it out. So she basically said, Well, I stopped kind of talking about it because I don't want to offend him. It is what it is, but the smell didn't go away. It just remained. And about roughly 10 years later, he got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. When he was about 44, 45, he got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So She also states that as the years went on, as these 10 years progressed, that smell got stronger and stronger and stronger. She not only did it not go away, but it was more intense and she just wasn't getting used to it. She could smell it all the time. So she claims that it's this heavy, musky smell that is kind of like a thick smell, if you can imagine something like that. Anyway, One day after her husband, Les, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, they went to this support group of patients with Parkinson's disease. So there's all these people in the room with the disease and their their family or their, you know, support network as well. And when she walked into the room, she says that that smell that she could smell in her husband was overbearing. It was like she was hit with that exact same smell but like tenfold. And she realised that that smell that she had detected in her husband was the smell of Parkinson's disease. She noticed that everybody that she met with Parkinson's smelt the same. So when researchers heard about this, because obviously she spoke to the doctors about it, she spoke to researchers about it, they were like, we need to get this woman in for a test because she claims that she could smell this 10 years or more before her husband was diagnosed with the disease. And they're a little bit sceptical because they're like, "Like maybe it's just him how could this actually be? So they got her in for, researchers got her into a lab for a test and what they did is they got 12 people, six of them with Parkinson's disease, six of them as the control group without Parkinson's disease. They bought them all a t-shirt, brand new t-shirt, exactly the same t-shirt and they got all 12 participants to sleep a night in that t-shirt. Then the following day, those shirts were given to Joy, obviously unlabeled, they all look the same and she had to d- to detect which of those t-shirts were from the Parkinson's patients and which ones were not she picked out all six of the Parkinson's patients but then she also pulled out one of the T's from the control group even though that person didn't have Parkinson's disease but she still selected one from the control group so seven out of the 12 she selected um And it turns out that nine months later, that person from the control group who didn't have Parkinson's disease got diagnosed with Parkinson's. So she was able to detect it even when this person or their physicians were not aware that they had the disease. So it turns out that she can detect the molecules within the smell. And with her help, heaps of help, like, you know, working with researchers in the lab trying to work it out, they found that this particular scent – was in the sebum, which is the oil, oily part of the skin, the oil produced by the skin, and they found these molecules in the sebum that were specific to Parkinson's disease. Well, it's actually specific compounds that are a lot higher in people with Parkinson's disease versus control. So the compounds are—I'm trying not to butcher how to pronounce these—but hypuric acid, eicosane, and octadecanal. Octadecanal. So these are these compounds that were found in the sebum that the concentrations were higher than in the skin of controls. And that is specific to Parkinson's disease. It's not in any other disease, th- those those compounds being a lot higher. So in these trials of this new technique, researchers are able to identify these molecules, these compounds being a lot higher from just a swab and they're able to get the results back in under an hour. Now that's like in the testing phase. I'm not sure where it's at right now, but there if this thing can be rolled out on like a massive scale, then you can imagine the difference that it would make to patients because at the moment there's no definitive way of testing for Parkinson's disease other than diagnosing by observing symptoms, like behavioural symptoms and interviewing the patients, interviewing their family and the people that are close to them and getting like a broad scope understanding of how things are changing for them. And Parkinson's is, you know, it causes tremors, including a whole bunch of other motor deficits, degeneration of the brain and ultimately dementia. And the earlier that the disease can be detected, the earlier you can intervene with treatments which can help the disease, like which can help stop the disease from... Spreading further, or at the very least, slow down the course of the disease. And it can give the patient really good tools to help them manage their life with Parkinson's disease versus if you then detect it 10 years later, by the time the tremors are present, there's already been quite a significant amount of damage that's already been done. So this is massive breakthrough. And if every single person with Parkinson's has these compounds that are higher, then the ability to detect these compounds may be as simple as you know a, um, a machine that can do the same work that Joy's nose does by detecting these compounds. So pretty fucking fascinating. and there's been all these advances in science in the way of Parkinson's disease because of this woman. So wild brain fact, I found that absolutely fascinating go look it up. There's all these news articles on this woman. It's unbelievable. Anyway, let's get straight into the episode of today. Okay. So let's get straight into the podcast topic of today. So we're talking about why discipline is your ticket to freedom. The first thing I want you to do is kind of identify the problem. What does it look like where you are right now? And what am I trying to achieve with this episode? So the problem right now for you, possibly maybe not everyone, is that your life is not where you want it right now. You talk about starting things. You want to do things. You've got all these ideas of what you want in your life. You're relatively clear on that, but it's just not happening. And you try doing it. It doesn't work. You try doing it. You don't adhere. So then you're back to square one. You try doing it a different way and then you don't adhere to that. And then you're back to the beginning. And then you look at the end of every single year and you're looking back thinking, For fuck's sake, this is the fifth year that I've had the same fucking plan or resolution or whatever you want to call it for the future year. Why is this just not happening for me? Why do I feel like I'm stuck and nothing's really falling into place for me? Okay, so you've got all these dreams, you've got all these ideas, but you feel like you're talking about them or you're thinking about them way more than you are experiencing those things. So it could be a health goal, it could be a financial goal, it could be a goal to experience certain things in your life. And you notice that these goals just keep repeating themselves because you're never able to achieve them or tick them off your list or, or include them as part of your lifestyle, okay? Now, I'm going to be going into – in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a whole bunch of things and then I'm going to be giving you ideas on how to look at discipline under a much better light – and I'm going to give you ideas on how you can start being a little bit more disciplined as well because a lot of people might be like okay I'm pumped I'm ready to be more disciplined but how do I do it and what's a good way to train myself up to be disciplined because it's important to remember that anything you do for the greater chunk of the general population for most people you have to start small and build up on it you have to start basic and build up on it the body the mind It likes to have a balance of achieving something and then it's okay to not achieve things. If you set out to do something where everything you do you don't succeed in, you are going to have fatigue very, very quickly and you're not going to adhere and you're going to go back to square one. So if – and what I mean by that is if you set yourself these crazy, crazy goals that you've yet to prove to yourself that you're able to achieve – then the likelihood of you achieving them when you've never done any of them, especially when there's multiple, is probably low. But if you were to grab those goals and break them down, break them down, break them down into something so much smaller, they become achievable. And then you're probably achieving maybe 50%, 60%. And then because you're achieving some things, you're then not too not too upset about the fact that you failed in other things because you're like well it's a balance you know I'm I'm winning here I'm winning there uh, I'm making progress here the fact that I didn't that this didn't work out it's okay so it's really important that and I'll go into this later on in the episode but it's important that when you structure your goals and when you start deciding on what things you're going to be you know more disciplined in and I'm going to start implementing these things make sure that you are creating a landscape or whatever you want to call it of things that are 100% achievable that you know you can achieve and then other things that you're like, I'm going to aim to achieve this, but if I don't, it's something that I can be working on, okay? Don't set yourself up to fail in everything that you do because then obviously you're going to feel very disheartened and you're not going to be passionate about it and you're going to be resentful and you're going to be resisting doing that thing. Okay, so let's talk about number one, what do you consider freedom to be? Because I want you to start looking at discipline and freedom as two very closely intertwined things, okay? So I think when you think about discipline, maybe not you, but a lot of people, they think, okay, I've got to have this really structured Day. I've got to have, not be able to eat the things that I want to eat and this and that. And it sounds pretty restrictive and strict when you think of discipline. And when you think of people that are really disciplined, you think, wow, they must not have much freedom in their life. It's very structured, it's very, you know, regimented. But try and look at it the other way around. So for me, freedom is having my own money to be able to purchase what I want to purchase or invest in what I want to invest in. Freedom means to have spare time so I can dedicate that time in things that, that I can really enjoy or in resting and relaxing and whatever it is that I want to do. It means having resources to be able to do the things that I want to do. So for me, a lot of the things that equal freedom are, well, you know, time, money, resources. And I think for a lot of people, that is what equals freedom. Because without those things, what do you have if you, as far as how can you then achieve the things that you want to achieve? If you don't have any time, well, then you can't achieve the things that you want to achieve. If you don't have money or resources to be able to do those things, then you're kind of stuck. You could have all the time in the world, but no resources and no money, and then you're stuck. So in order to get time, money, and resources – I need to be disciplined in other areas of my life to be able to be achieving that amount of money and resources so then I can actually go and do the things that I want to do. So the more disciplined I am when it comes to my health, when it comes to my career, the more freedom I have outside of my working hours and outside of my training and my sleeping and my meditating and all of that, okay? So you want to look at the more disciplined I am, the more access I have to the resources that I want to have, and then I have all the freedom that I can do something with those resources, and health is one of those resources as well, okay? So that's how I want you to look at freedom. So if you want, pause this and think, how can I approach the concept of freedom differently? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I want to get up and do whatever the fuck I want, And that might be what you have always thought freedom to be, but are you really free if you wake up and you've got nothing that you have to do and you can do whatever you want, but in reality, like, what are you doing with that? Okay. So have a think about that. The second thing is if someone said to you right now, you can have more freedom, what would that look like? Because like for a kid, it's going to be, I'm going to stay up late and i can I can going to eat whatever the fuck I want to eat. Maybe not saying fuck, but for a kid, it's pretty basic what freedom looks like. They can just run wild and do whatever the fuck they want to do. But for an adult, how would you genuinely, if someone says you can have more freedom right now, what would your answer be with that? Well, if I had more freedom, I would. What would it be? Some people would be like, I would travel more. Some people would be like, I would spend more nights just chilling with my family and friends throughout the week. Some people are like, I'd have more time on my own. I'd just fucking want to be alone and just relax. Everyone's version of that is different. But if, you know, think about like someone's waving a magic wand, that's a genie, whatever, what is your answer to that? And that will give you a really good indication on what it is that you value and what you would deem to be considered freedom, okay? Um, it could also have to do with your health. I would be healthier. I would feel calmer all the time, whatever it is. Now, I can say that in almost every circumstance, discipline will give you that freedom. Discipline will give you opportunities. It's going to give you independence and it's going to give you a balanced life. And if you don't have a balanced life, you're not going to have discipline and you're not going to have freedom. And freedom is, another way to look at it is freedom is options. Okay. And you don't have to have all the options and you don't have to action all of those options, but freedom gives you the options and the opportunity to do something if you want to do it. It's not running loose with no guidelines. It's not this lack of no control. People want control and people want boundaries. And the people that don't have boundaries and don't have control do not like it. I think a lot of the time we think, oh, I've got all these things that I've got to adhe- that I've got to, you know, these standard standards that I've got to live by or you know when you're younger, these curfews or this or that I've got to live by these guidelines and I hate it. I just want to run free. But even when you're given the opportunity to run free, you don't even like it that much. So, when I was studying in my masters, we had the psychiatrist come in and she specifically would deal with um Troubled teens, if you want to call it that. Basically, teens who had a really difficult upbringing, uh, just absolutely had no care from their parents in the sense of they would. there was no curfews. They were never told to come home. There was no discipline. There was no structure in the household whatsoever. They could be gone for multiple days at a time. We're talking teenagers here, and the parents would never call to check in on them. So we're talking about zero structure in the household with these troubled teens. And every single one, when she would interview these teenagers and and have sessions with these teenagers, the one underlying theme that every single teenager said is, I wish I had more structure from my parents. I wish I had more discipline. You know, I wish I had more guidelines. They all craved that, you know, structure in their life. Because, well, primarily because it is a, is a form of love when a parent is giving you curfews and structures and whatever. When you have it as a kid, you're like, fuck this. I just want to enjoy myself. When you don't have it, it feels like a lack of love. But then also it gives them – it forms their day and what they're doing and what it is that they're going to do later on in that day. It gives them mental clarity and structure for themselves. If you let some some person, whether teenager or an adult, run completely loose with zero guidelines, it is not enjoyable. Okay? So – Sometimes we think that that would be ideal, but it's absolutely not. And when you can create proper structure and proper routine, that's when your mind is at its calmest, okay? You feel a lot calmer. You've got something that you you know what's coming up. You know what's going to happen. You know what the results are going to be, and you do that consistently, and you discipline yourself to do that daily, and that's where you start to feel a lot happier with yourself, with your life, and what you're doing with your life, okay? So every time you're thinking, oh, God, I wish I could do whatever, no. Freedom... Is what can I do with the resources that I have, and what are my options? And when you have the options, and when you have the possibilities, that is what freedom is. Now, now a little personal story. When I was in my twenties, and that holds most of you know my story of like what my twenties looked like versus now my thirties. But in my twenties, yes, with the breakups here and there, I was. I just did not want to be tied down. I remember saying, I don't want to feel tied down. So I would constantly be changing jobs, be traveling, be doing this, be doing that. And don't get me wrong, wouldn't change it for the world. It was unbelievable. But my biggest, I guess, hurdle in all of that is because I so desperately didn't want to be tied down. I never was able to save much money which is fine because I had experiences, so it's fine. That's, you know, that was a, a, a sacrifice I was willing to make. But I was never able to save much money. I felt like that, I, that I was quite stagnant in a lot of other career areas in my life. I felt there were a lot of things that actually held me back and stopped me from having certain experiences because I didn't have resources, I didn't have finances, because I was so desperate to, quote-unquote, not be tied down. What I craved was this sense of freedom, but – At the same time, while seeking this sense of freedom, I was actually blocking myself from experiencing more because I had no discipline whatsoever. So I wasn't, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't sticking something out. I wasn't saving the way I could save. And then even when I was making money, I was spending it, you know, obviously I ended up saving enough to travel, so I don't want to be too hard on myself. But what I'm saying is that the years where I was the most all over the place was when I struggled to find a good balance in my life. The years where I didn't have much discipline and the years that I didn't have much structure to my day and to my time were the years that I didn't have as much freedom as I would have wanted to have. And now for the first time ever in the last couple of years is when I've actually felt grounded somewhere and felt like I can, you know, lay my roots down. And it was it, it was like a really difficult thing for me to finally admit that I'm ready to lay some roots down in one city because I was so aversive to that idea for all of my 20s, for whatever reason. And I think there's many reasons that contributed to that. But then once I finally agreed, it's like, okay, I'm going to really settle here in Sydney again. I'm going to actually try and, well, f- probably for the first time, I'm going to try and settle here and just see what that feels like. Then I started Becoming more disciplined, having more of a routine, putting things in place. And now I can safely say that I, you know, even though I've got, you know, a lease on my office space, I've got a proper office space, I'm doing all these things that you would think would tie me down. It actually provides me with so much more freedom because I have that structure, I have that routine, I'm able to do all these all these other things that I want to be doing with my life because I have the discipline and because I have the structure. I have way more freedom and I am giving myself a lot more opportunity. Now, another reason why discipline will give you freedom is because when you have discipline and structure in your life, you, don't, you no longer feel like you need to be in control of the things outside of you. We always, as humans, need to have a certain amount of control over our lives, okay? No one wants to be completely out of control. But those people that don't have structure and don't seem to have a grasp on themselves and their mental health and their mind and what they do and their bodies and all of those things, they will then seek to control things outside of themselves. You look at people who try and control their partner, people who try and control situations outside of them, that often comes down to a lack of control for themselves. They're not able to control themselves, so they're going to try and control things outside of themselves. Okay, So when you have that control and that discipline and structure for yourself, you are less fixated on trying to control external outcomes. And if anything, you become a lot more at peace with the fact that you can't control these external outcomes things that are going on, whether it be other people's behavior, whether it be what's going to happen in your career, you understand what you do have control over, but then you're way more at peace with the things that you don't have control over. And you become the constant in your own life. When you are not the constant in your life, you expect other people to fulfill that role. And then when they're not fulfilling the role you want, you want them in a way that you want them to fulfill it. You then try and control them. Instead, What you should be doing is you're controlling yourself, you're regulating yourself, you're disciplining yourself to have stability and structure, and then you are the constant calm in your own life. Then... When other people can't provide that for you, it doesn't feel like it doesn't exist. You're still providing it for yourself. So when your partner can't be that constant because they're going through their own thing, you're still providing it for yourself. When your friends can't be there for you because they've got things going on, you're not trying to manipulate them or make them feel guilty. You understand that they've got their things going on. You are still the constant in your own life. Okay, so it's really important that you understand that something as basic as disciplining yourself in a morning routine or an evening routine, how much that can influence the relationship you have with yourself and how you interact with other people outside of that, how you interact in your intimate relationships romantically or, as f- or with your friends and with your family. So that is crucial to remember. Another thing, discipline will cost you. It will cost you something. It's not taking the easy way out, but it is by far the best way because it gives you the life that you dream of. It allows for you to have the life that you want. Because you can be sitting here dreaming up that life, thinking about all those exciting moments and these amazing big things that you want to be experiencing. But if you're not disciplined, the likelihood of that life happening versus if you are disciplined, you cannot compare. Instantly, your luck goes up. Luck in inverted commas. Instantly, your chances of getting that life increase. Okay? And... Those mundane moments, day in, day out, day in, day out of discipline is what makes up a great life. I'm talking about an unbelievable life. And it's in all those little mundane, quote unquote mundane, you might actually end up enjoying them, but in, it's in all those mundane daily things that you do repeated again and again and again, where you discipline yourself, where you're able to have some self-control. Those are the things that will give you the life that you want to have. Okay. And those quote unquote exciting moments of instant gratification where you don't administer discipline, where you're going for those quick hits of dopamine, that will make for a frustrating and an unfulfilled life. Because the time that you spend on these, on these, you know, scrolling through social media for hours and then you get a shit quality sleep. the time you spent on these instant gratification moments where it's you know exciting in the moment and then you feel dull straight after or you feel dull you know hours later those moments are the same time frame the same moments as ones where you're disciplined because I know a lot of people don't like hearing the whole thing of like, we've, we've all got 24 hours in a day. Yeah, it's true. But then if you look at some celebrities who have, you know, a thousand nannies and, you know, they're 24 hours, they can do more than someone who's a single mom. I get that. But every single one of us can look at our own life and say, here was some time that was not well spent. And I'm not talking about you relaxing on the couch, doing nothing. I'm talking about you scrolling your life away mindlessly on certain things that really is a waste of your time, okay, an actual waste of your time. And a lot of the times that you're disciplined, you actually create more time for yourself. You actually save time. So I'm not going to go down the whole route of we've all got 24 hours in a day because there are some people that are way more privileged than others, but every single one of us, every single one of us can look at our day, can look at how we spend our time, and find moments where we could maximize that time a whole lot better, including myself, definitely including myself. I look at it every day and I think, well, that was a fucking waste. I also scroll mindlessly at times and really feel the negative effects of it. Like I've, I'm the first to admit that I know what that feels like and it, it just doesn't do any good for my day when I do that, okay? There is a trap. There is this temp- – the trap is temptation, and it's to not do that thing that you're not in the mood to do. I think a lot of people think, oh, but those people that are super driven, you know, they get up wanting to go to the gym. They get up wanting to train. They, they want to do all of these things. You're, we're all tested multiple times a day. We're all tested where we say we're going to do something. And then when the time comes to actually do that thing, that's the test. And you've got to pass that test time and time again. And... A lot of us are like, "Oh, I thought I was going to be in the mood, but I'm actually not in the mood, so I'm not going to do it." Uh, that was the test. You didn't pass the test. OK? I personally, I get up every single day at 5:30 in the morning. Well, let's talk Monday to Friday. Saturday, Sunday, I get up a bit later. But 5:30 a.m, sometimes earlier, every single day. And I would be lying to you if I said that it's easy and I enjoy it, because it's not, and I don't. Some mornings. Miraculously, I get up and I'm like, holy shit, I feel great. And other mornings, I'm like, there's no way. It's already 5.30 in the morning. There's no fucking way. But no matter how I feel, I get up. It does – it will – no matter – my mood, I do not factor that in at 5.30 in the morning. I'm up because that is discipline and that is a promise I've made to myself. and I'm honoring that promise. Then once I'm up, I'd meditate and then by 6 a.m. I'm at the gym. Do you think I'm in the mood to go to the gym at 6 o'clock every single morning? Absolutely not. I think a lot of people look at, well, maybe not me, but a lot of other people and think, wow, they must really have that motivation. They must really have that fire in their belly and the drive. I have a fire in my belly, but I don't have that fire in my belly at six o'clock in the morning when I'd like to just be relaxing, but I go to the fucking gym. However, one thing that I can confirm is that every single day when I finish the gym and I'm on my way back home, about to grab my dog to go out to walk him and get a coffee, I feel fucking great. And I don't just feel great because I have a sense of achievement because that's one of the reasons why I feel great. But I also feel great because there is a direct, a direct impact on how I started my morning with how my mood is going to be for the rest of the morning slash day. I'm already more focused. I'm already more calm, more like calmer. I feel like I'm, you know, less likely – to fall into the traps of distraction because I've started my day on a good note. And I know that how I start my morning also has a massive positive influence on my sleep quality. So I'm already reaping the benefits of that disciplined morning within an hour and a half after I've done it, okay? So I want you to start to reframe how you look at people that are disciplined versus people that are not disciplined. It doesn't come down to how... Good, it feels, and how how much they enjoy doing that thing. Because there's a lot of things that I do in my time. A lot of things that I find uncomfortable, that I find unpleasant. Sometimes I find them pleasant. Sometimes I don't find them pleasant. But irrelevant of how I feel towards them, it's a non-negotiable. It's done. It's going to be fucking done. And the only exception to that is if I'm legitimately sick, actually sick, and I need to rest. In which case, you should always let your body rest. Always let your body rest. But apart from that, apart from that. You always want to stick to the things that you said you were going to do. When you honor a commitment to yourself and you follow through day in, day out, that is a massive sign of self-love. That is one of the best ways to work on your self-love is to say you're going to do something for yourself and then go and do that thing for yourself and then repeat it the next day and the next day and the next day. Not one day goes by. Not one fucking day goes by where I do not benefit from the reward of my discipline. Every day I benefit in some way shape or form. Okay? And that is the, that is the same for absolutely everyone. Every single disciplined person who has a set, you know, t- thing of tasks that they do or they know how to, they know when to draw the line and say no. Everyone benefits from that. Discipline gives you the life that you want. Lack of discipline gives you the leftovers, okay? Not what you want and not what you dream of. Discipline gives you options. It gives you an idea of where you are going in your life. It gives you stability. It lets you plan things for your future. It lets you count on those things happening because you're disciplined. It lets you count on yourself Being disciplined lets you count on yourself, lets you rely on yourself. If you're not disciplined, you can't rely on yourself. You can't fucking, no one can rely on you. But if you're disciplined, you can. You want to know that you can count on yourself. You want to know that you're not letting yourself down. When you're not disciplined, you can't rely on yourself and you're going to let yourself down every time. So you've got discipline equaling you getting what you want in life versus not being disciplined and getting the the dregs of what's left over. And that's a choice. Now, before I go into a couple of ways on how you can implement discipline in your life and how it's going to impact you, I want you to change how you look at discipline, because we all link discipline or the word discipline or the concept of discipline with something. You might think that it will make you boring. A lot of people have this crazy fear of being boring, especially people that are known to be the fun partying friend, the, the spontaneous one, they might think, oh my God, if I become really disciplined, I'm now going to be the boring one. And what will my identity be? So boring is the big one. That another one is that it's really difficult. So it's going to represent, you know, bad things because it's really hard. It's going to represent negative emotions. It's going to represent you feeling uncomfortable or torture. For some people, it's going to feel like it's torture. And then a lot of people think that it's going to make your life more mundane if you're really disciplined. You know, where's the fun? Where's the spontaneity? Where's where's all of that? And how you frame discipline in your mind is actually going to influence the, the level of importance that you give discipline in your life. So if you're labeling discipline as mundane, boring, difficult, torture, uncomfortable, all those words, then you're, going to be a lot more aversive to having a disciplined life or a more disciplined lifestyle than if you frame it differently in your mind. So you want to look at it as it is what it is, it's neutral. I look at discipline as neutral, but I look at the rewards from my discipline as the opposite to everything I said. It's the opposite of mundane. It's exciting. It's potential. It's possibility. It's adventure. It's freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. Discipline gives me freedom. Discipline gives me health. It gives me more wealth than if I wasn't disciplined. It gives me freedom. It lets me do what I want to do. It lets me live the life that I want to live. Okay, so start to reframe how it is that you look at discipline and you have to get friendly with it because when you start approaching the concept of discipline with kinder eyes, you will start to value it more in your life. You are not going to value something if you think it's fucked, if you think it's boring and if you think it's lame. You're not going to value it so you're not going to have it be a part of your life. But if you turn around and think, I'm going to start respecting this concept a little bit more, I'm going to start to look at what it can provide my life. I'm going to start to look at how it's actually going to make me overall a much more fun person, a much more exciting person, because I'm going to have more resources. I'm going to have more, more time, more capabilities. I'm just going to be able to do a whole lot more with my life. Now let's talk about ways that you can Implement discipline into your life. One of the best ways to train yourself to become more disciplined is to discipline your body. When you discipline your body, you are able to discipline your mind a lot better, okay? Because with the body, in most cases, for most people, it is a lot easier to measure what you've done and what you haven't done versus measuring a thought or a belief or a duration of a thought in your mind or how focused you were. Those things are not that easy to measure. So when you are starting down the path of becoming a more disciplined person, I think one of the best ways to begin to train yourself up to become more disciplined and then the mind will follow is to train the body in something. And that could be things like waking up earlier, not letting yourself go on, any devices one hour before sleep. That's the body. That's a physical task that you are doing. And then of course, there is physical training, like going to the gym, going for a walk around the block every single day. But I feel that physical tasks are the best, the number one way to train yourself up to become more disciplined. Once you start getting really good at these physical tasks... Once you see yourself following through, you say you're going to do something, you do it. You say you're going to walk one kilometer every morning, you go ahead and walk that one kilometer every single morning. And if it's raining, then you're walking in, you know, undercover in the car park or whatever it is. But it's like, I'm doing this thing no matter what. Then you become to understand a lot about yourself and your levels of following through. Then it becomes a lot easier to then implement things like meditation or 45 minutes of focused work and things like that as well. So, There are some people that do prefer more mental tasks over physical, but I think that physical is a phenomenal, if not the best way to start to teach yourself some discipline. Okay. So pick some routines and some habits. And I don't want you to think that when I said physical tasks that you have to go out and train and exercise Well, exercise is phenomenal for the brain. So you should be doing that anyway, but that's not exactly what I'm just saying. A- Task that is measurable and easy to measure and easy to say, yes, I ticked that off. Yes, I did that thing. Okay? So a morning routine is crucial. Crucial! An evening routine. Probably... Harder for a lot of people to do because their bedtime varies a lot more than their waking time. But if you can do an evening routine as well, implement an evening routine as well. But for me, number one is a morning routine. I want you to start by picking a wake up time. I don't care what that time is, but have it be consistent for the next seven days or the next 21 days. You pick a time frame, and you think that's it. I'm going to follow through. And ideally have it to be a time that's that you see it as an achievement getting up at that time. So if you always get up at 7, get up at 6.45. If you always get up at 9, get up at 7, okay, or whatever it is. So you're going to pick that thing. Then I want you to pick a physical task to do every single day, rain, hail, or shine. So this is what it comes back to at the start of the episode when I was talking about doing something that you know is achievable. It's just you adhering to that thing that makes it – that makes it a bigger achievement. So it could be, I'm going to walk one kilometer. It could be, I'm going to get on the ground and do 10 push push-ups off my knees before I go into the bathroom and brush my teeth. I don't care what it is, but you want to pick these tasks. And then you start adding and adding and adding. So this is where I've bang on about for a thousand years since the podcast started about morning routines. But that is how you start to discipline yourself. You're also going to find that... When you start doing these physical tasks, you learn so much about yourself. You learn that what you set your mind to, you can achieve. And for me, another personal anecdote, I learned a lot about myself and my ability to follow through with things when I started running seriously. And I always, I was always into, you know, weights and this and that and I never thought that I could run. I never thought I was a good runner because I couldn't run in high school because like they'd make you do the beep test and I'd be curled up in a ball dying of an asthma attack so I was like running's just not for me then I eventually got into running because we would there's this run in Brisbane called the bridge to Brisbane and it's this 10k run and when I was working at Red Bull everyone's like who's going to do the run who's doing the run and I was like fuck it I'm going to sign up and if I end up walking I end up walking but let's just do it and that's what got me into running about 13 years ago and then For me, when I started really, really running was when I went through that breakup and I thought, that's it, I'm going to run every single day. I'm going to run every single day because it's the only time for me that I have clarity in my mind. When I would run and for the hour or couple of hours straight after, I felt really calm in the mind. I felt really good. I felt level-headed because I felt that the other times I just, there was no, I was not level-headed at all. So running actually taught me so much about myself and my ability to stay disciplined in something. It taught me to follow through with something, that it didn't matter if I put in a piss poor effort or a really good effort, I still did it. And that overall, when you add up the really good days and the really shitty, horrendous days where I'm stopping to walk and then keep running and then I walk, you know, but when you add it all up, I'm in a much better of position mentally with my mental health than I would have been had I done nothing, no matter how many shitty days were there. It taught me that, you know, ultimately combining all the good and all the bad, no matter what the effort is, when you put it all together, you have achieved so much in your life. And it taught me, to really put myself first as a priority, even when the times were tough. So even when I was really suffering, when I felt abandoned, when I felt really low, it taught me that no matter what, I was gonna prioritize myself for that time and do this thing, because I made a promise to myself. I made a commitment that I was gonna run every single day. And if I couldn't run outside, I'd be running on the treadmill at the gym down the road. So I was doing it every single day. And it did wonders for my mental health and for my relationship with myself. Because there were many times where I really suffered and struggled and I didn't feel, you know, especially when you're so heartbroken and whatever, I didn't feel good. But that, every time I did it, straight after, I felt that I was worth that time and I was really worth doing that thing. And then I would see the results, yes, physically, but more so, much more so mentally. And it would make me want to then do it again the next day and then again and again and again the next day. So That's why I believe that choosing a physical task is one of the best ways to teach yourself discipline and teach yourself the importance of sticking with the task and following through with that task, because it is just going to show you that you matter, that you're going to show up for yourself every day. And it's this like cumulative compounding effect I've shown up for myself again. I must really matter. So I'm definitely going to show up for myself tomorrow. And that must really mean that I matter. So then I'm definitely going to show up. So then you just keep feeling more and more respect for yourself. And that is what will grow your self-love, okay? So it's going to work on your self-love It's going to increase your freedom exponentially because when you do these things, when you tick these things off, then you can have the life you want. If you have a scattered life with scattered ideas and scattered goals and there's no structure, then how are you going to have the things that you want to have in your life? Discipline will also teach you that as long as you can control yourself, you're not going to feel the need to control those around you. You'll be a lot calmer. You'll be a much more fun person to be around because you're not going to try and control everyone around you. When you don't have discipline, you're going to clutch onto the things that you're trying to control because you can't control yourself, okay? So freedom is what you will get when you become more disciplined. And I've got so many other episodes. Now you know the importance of discipline for freedom. I've got so many episodes on, you know, making your goals happen, putting things into action, 30-day challenges, seven-day challenges, do this every every morning for X amount of days. I've got so many of those things. So hopefully if you listen to this episode and then you think, right, I'm ready to do a 30-day challenge, go back and listen to my 30-day challenge episode or any of those where I tell you to do a whole bunch of things, You know, go through the whole back catalogue. There's so many of them, but you will really start to see that link between discipline and freedom, discipline and self-love, discipline and true happiness within yourself. Hopefully you found that episode uh, helpful and useful and I really, really hope that you can start implementing all these different ways of disciplining yourself throughout your day so you can actually get to that life that you really, really, truly want to be leading. Time for the listener question. Thank you as always. Love you so much. Listener question time. Hi, Alexis. Love your podcast and your strong woman energy. Also, as a nurse and a biology nerd, I love hearing the little science bits too. Thank you. My main career is a traveling nurse, which has been pretty difficult for me to maintain any sort of long relationship this past decade. Now I'm 32 and I'm feeling ready for something more serious. I went for a three-month assignment in New York City, love that for you, and met an amazing man. We met at a house party and were instantly drawn to each other. While I was there, our energies felt very much on the same page and it was organic and lovely. I left for a month, came back to visit for a week, and now I'm back in Florida. And in a few weeks, I've missed him very much. Our contact has been casual, texting once a week and... texting once a week and a couple of phone calls. I decided to initiate a serious conversation with him revealing my feelings. I told him how much I liked him and asked him if he is romantically interested in me and how he is in relationships. I have never just told a guy very honestly and vulnerably my feelings before and now I'm questioning if it was too much too soon. His response was that he liked spending time with me but he wasn't quote-unquote, propelled to have a monogamous or long-distance relationship with me, which wasn't really my question. I just wanted to know really if he liked me as much as I do for him, if if he had feelings for me as much as I do for him, and if he wanted to explore this more. I didn't think to say that until after the fact, unfortunately. He's also a musician and his finances aren't consistent. He stated that he feels like he should be spending money on dating in the city rather than flying across the country, but he was looking into coming to visit me. It's been two weeks and he hasn't reached out, but he has been watching my stories slash liking posts, etc. Apologies for the long background story, but I'm stuck as to what I need to do now. A part of me feels like if I keep things light and keep working in New York City, maybe things will develop more if I can be patient. And the other, other part of me feels like I'm tired of guys having to or getting to have slash enjoy me on the periphery instead of being actively in my life unless I'm there in person. Is the timing detrimental to block him and let go? It's really hurting me seeing him on the sidelines and not hearing from him directly after emotionally opening up. I'm also afraid to lose our connection, which would be the wisest choice in this situation. Okay, firstly, I don't think that just just do not regret opening up to him. That's great that you did that. I think it's really important that you share your feelings and you can share them just openly with him. You know, it's you also don't want to be wasting your time. You also want to make sure that someone is on the same page as you. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you being honest about how you feel. That's perfectly fine. The next thing is I feel like you're backtracking a little bit and there's a little bit of contradiction in what you're saying as a way to protect yourself. And what I mean by this is that you mentioned that you are – Now 32 and you're ready for something more serious. Good. I like that you're able to say that and I like that you're able to know what you want and talk about what you want. So you should be very happy that you're in a position where you're like, I want this, I acknowledge it, and this is what I'm ready for. That's very healthy. That is great. However, you then message him and you ask him a legitimate question, which is, are you romantically interested in me along those lines? And then he replied by saying he wasn't ready for a monogamous or a long-distance relationship. And then you said that wasn't really my question. But if that wasn't your question, okay, you didn't word it that way, what were you asking him? Oh, Are you romantically interested in me but don't actually want to date me? When someone's romantically interested in someone, they ask that question to know if they're going to pursue it and be together, you know. Otherwise, why would I ask if you uh, reciprocate the feelings that I have for you if I don't want anything further. So, of course, what he was getting at from that question was accurate. He was getting if there was a possibility for a future together. And so he was just being honest. I don't think this guy is the one for you. I feel like he is like, I'm only kind of looking for something in New York. I don't want to do a long distance thing. I don't, you know, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make him a bad person. But he's, you know, he's said how he feels. And in life, and the older you get, not because, not because you're getting older, but more because you're having more life experiences, but the older you get, you start to realize, I am not here to hope that the timing gets right. I'm not here to wait around and see if things change or if the situation changes or if you change your mind. I'm also not here to mind read and think that maybe you mean something else than what you said. You're going to take, you're going to call a spade a spade. If he says, I don't want monogamy and I don't want long distance, you're going to say, all right, you don't want monogamy and you don't want long distance. End of story. Not to say you need to cut this guy out, but if it makes it easier for you, I would cut him out. You don't have to. There's nothing wrong. He's not toxic. He seems relatively lovely and normal, but whatever's easier for you. But I wouldn't be pursuing it. I think if something was to ever happen with this guy, it would be because it just, you know, it it just happened later on in life, but not because you're waiting around. I think you need to start looking at your other options, get out there, be dating again, really try and have some fun. But I wouldn't be pinning anything on this person. He doesn't want long distance. Unless you're willing to move to New York City, it's not going to happen. okay? And that's good. You want someone to give you an answer. What would be worse? What would be disrespectful if he strung you along and didn't mean it? This is phenomenal. He's telling you exactly that it's a no, at least in this situation where you live in different cities, it's not going to happen. doesn't mean he doesn't enjoy your company. And a lot of people read too heavily into when people watch their Instagram stories. I've had someone be engaged to someone else, right, an ex of mine who he was two-timing with me and him. Literally, I didn't know this woman existed. We broke up. Weeks later, they're engaged and he was watching my stories. So riddle me that, okay? So you've just got to be like, I'm not going to read into why they're watching my stories. It means... Nothing. A lot of people are just interested in other people's lives with no agenda apart from, I just want to know what this person's doing. It doesn't mean this is a show of of me loving you. It means that you're on my mind all the time. Unfortunately, if someone watches these stories, it does not mean that you are on their mind more so than them just stumbling across it on Instagram and they saw it. They're like, oh yeah, I'll watch it. Okay, so don't read into that. Read into what he's telling you. And if you decide to move to New York, this guy seems great. From what you've said, he doesn't seem toxic and he's open, honest and he's transparent, which is good. So if you're going to be in New York and you think I'm going to be here way more often, there actually now is a possibility, 100% hit him up. But as it stands – I would let this one, I'd let it go. Absolutely let it go. You want to free up your energy. You don't want to be tied into something where someone's already said no and waste your time. And you said, I'm ready for something more serious. So start exploring other avenues. Start exploring, you know, dating other people. I think this is great that you had this really nice experience with him. It's nice to have these expanding moments where you're like, okay, this just proves that there's, you know, great people out there, great people that I can meet. This is yet another example of a great guy. And just start meeting other people, okay? But I wouldn't be pushing this any further and I would be actually very – you should be very happy with yourself that you brought this up in conversation and that you were vulnerable and honest. That's the best thing that you should do. And I think it is very good that you are honest and vulnerable and it's actually served you. It's saving you time. He's not stringing you along. He's not fucking you around. He's not wasting your time. So this is all good things, okay? Okay. Hopefully that helped. Thank you so much for sending your story in. Love that so much. And I love that you, that you're a biology you nerd know as well. So fucking, fucking, yes, love that. Guys, as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.